It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports editor and columnist, along with Rick Broering. As we tape this on a Thanksgiving morning, let's get started. I'm thankful for you, Skinny. I'm thankful for you, Rick. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we're going to hug it out when it's all said and done. Skinny, the Bengals' final drive for the tie, or could have been the win on Sunday at Baltimore, came up short when wide receiver Cody Core, of all people, dropped a pass along the right sideline on fourth and four with just under two minutes left. Do you question the Bengals' play calling to go to Cody Core with the season on the line? No question. Yes, absolutely. Because he's what level of trust has Cody Core earned here? Well, I mean, none. He has done. No, he's a good gunner on punt on, on punt coverage. Good for you. That that that's a nice little role for you. I can find a lot of guys that can do that. Look, that fourth and four play. You, you, you whatever, wherever you put Tyler Boyd, they were going to double him, right? So you're trying to isolate somebody one on one. I would isolate anybody. I would have isolated Jake Fisher one on one before I isolated Cody Core one on one because he can't catch the football. Yeah, he got held coming out of his break. There's no doubt. I mean, the guy almost took his jersey off. But once he ripped through that and squared himself up, that's what NFL wide receivers have to do. you got to fight through that and then make – it wasn't even a contested catch at that point. It was simply ball thrown, catch it. That's all it was. And he cannot do that. Um, Auden Tate would have been better in that circle. Auden Tate may not have run to the sticks, and he might not. He may still be trying to get out of his break because he's so damn slow doing it. But I'll tell you this, the ball's on him. He's going to catch it. He will catch it. Cody Core fourth and four. You got it. Cody Core, I thought was going to get cut, and with a big game that you could have buried the Ravens, taken another huge step towards making a playoff berth um, in a season that's that's just going to be a mad scramble to try to do so. You're going to Cody Core. You got to be kidding me, man. M- Marvin doesn't want to hear about Auden Tate anymore, does he? No, not at all. He he's so. For whatever reason, the the the, the folks upstairs really like Auden Tate, and when Marvin doesn't like a guy. And he's given it, in, in, in fairness, there is some, the week before they did throw to Auden, he dropped it. He dropped the ball. The first pass he caught on, his first pass he ever caught in the NFL uh, against Baltimore on the very first drive, he didn't run the route correctly and he ended up being short of the sticks. So it does become a trust factor. I mean, there's a trust issue there that if you can't trust the guy on a, just a couple of plays, I can't play you. But it's not like Cody Core has earned has earned his spot to do that either. He's been worse. He's been given more opportunities and flubbed them. That's the thing with Cody Core. We've seen what he can do, and we've seen him fail already more than Auden Tate. So I don't think there's any argument here. Of course, that was a ridiculous play call. The real question is, who's to blame here? Is it Marvin? Is it the offensive coordinator? Is it Andy Dalton for being willing to say yes to this play call when you know the season is on the line and you know you don't have trust in that guy? Because there's no way Andy Dalton has confidence throwing to... Cody, Core. The, Cody Core, I don't even know his name, Skinny. I'm searching for his name as I'm trying to tell you this. There's no way Andy Dalton has confidence throwing to him in that situation. Well, he had confidence in it because that's what the coverage dictated. I mean, the guy was – what you ended up getting was the right the, – it was the right play call. It really was. It was just the wrong guy being thrown to. The play call was perfect. Bunch guys to one side, draw all the coverage that way, got one-on-one coverage to this side. All he had to do was catch it. That's all you do. So the play call, I have no problem with. The person you put in that spot to make the play, I have a problem with. And, and that's where maybe you have to trust Auden Tate in that situation. Somebody has to call timeout and well, he has to walk no, off the field. They like, took a timeout. Remember, they actually had Auden Tate on the field. Andy didn't like the look he got for whatever reason defensively. He took the timeout. They then took, 
I believe they took John Ross off. They took uh, Auden Tate off, put Cody Core, and I'm drawing a blank who was bunched to the other side. It was just a bunched up, bunched up guys. I was looking for Tyler Boyd, and he was in the bunched up group, and they doubled him. So they, they had Tate on the field before the timeout and chose to change their minds. So did Andy just think that was like A.J. Green had slipped, <laughs> yeah. slipped into that spot? Wait, is that, is that, that 18 or uh, it's nine. Timeout. He, timeout. He just didn't know until he threw and, the ball or maybe, what? Because and, and, and maybe maybe he didn't maybe he didn't didn't trust the, the, the guys that were on the field on the play before. If I look over there and I see Cody Core lined up and I know that's where we're trying to throw the football and I think this play is gonna work. I am calling timeout. And you had done left to at the that point. Sideline, <laughs> and I'm talking to Marvin and Bill Lazor, and I'm telling them something else. You got to give me something else because we're not throwing to that guy with the game on the line. That's not Andy's way, man. Right or wrong, it's, it's not cert- his way. It certainly isn't. It's not his way. He's he's gonna. The play was called. He he saw the coverage. He went to where it was going to go to. That's what he does. It was the, it was a good throw. It was the right call because the guy was open. Catch it. Just catch it. That's what you're an NFL wide receiver. You are paid to make difficult catches. You watch the great ones. They make tough contested catches. And this wasn't even contested. It was contested that yeah, he was held. No doubt. Okay, I'm not gonna argue that point. Bengals fans go lose their mind. It just it happened. But he fought his way through it. And when he fought his way through it, there he is open. Catch the ball, dude. Catch it. Yeah. I'm certainly not trying to put this on Andy Dalton. All I'm saying is as a last line of defense, someone has to save this organization from itself, and Andy had to be the guy in that situation because clearly the coaching staff was willing to give the ball to Cody Core. That, that, that shows you where the dysfunction continues in this organization. There, there's really no great leadership. That's the problem. Uh, Rick Baltimore scored 24 points, rushed for 265 yards. That's the most in the Marvin Lewis era against the Bengals. Uh, rookie Lamar Jackson went for 117 yards and also completed 13-19 and 19 for 138. No touchdowns no intercep- and, and one interception, actually. Sean Williams picking that off. So what grade do you give Marvin in Game 1 back as defensive coordinator? I think I would go with a C. I don't think it was a complete failure because... No, what am I talking about? It was a complete failure. Of course it was a complete failure. It's an F, Skinny. He gave up the most rushing yards, and I told you this was going to happen. He thought it was better. He thought things were better. Oh, of course he did, because they weren't playing the Saints. Well, and because because head coach Marv is now defensive coordinator Marv, so head coach Marv is not going to blame defensive coordinator Marv, right? No, he's never held anybody accountable in his organization before. Why would he start now? Well, he's held some coordinators now accountable because they fired two in the last couple years. Only because it was them or him. Correct. He had guys That's on his staff point. that should have never been He's not going to criticize defensive coordinator Marv. No. Of course not. But um, I, I won't go F. I'll go D because there was some level of improvement. But, there, but, but you, you got gouged on the ground, and you still chose to play a safety deep when this kid wasn't ever going to throw a deep ball. Bring somebody else in the box. Make somebody just accountable for him. Makes it just say, well, you're, you got him. You've got him wherever he got, wherever that quarterback, you got him. He's your guy. I mean, 265 yards when they had no, they couldn't do anything else. Nothing. And it's not like they have the weapons on the outside that if you get sucked up, they're going to beat you anyway. Because they really they just need John Brown, Michael Crabtree. They're just three limited. Just the guys. They're just limited. Yes. They don't have threats. And you had all three of your cornerbacks back. You can play them, man, because you're not going to worry about this kid making an accurate throw down the field. It's just not going to happen. So you bring an extra, you bring both safeties down in the run game. You make them get to third and six and third and sevens. He ain't going to beat you that way. He's going to beat you on third and two and third and one because that's what they did. Last week we talked about it. How often do these young quarterbacks come in? If they have any playmaking ability at all, they just shred this defense at least the first time they face it. Don't forget Kevin Hogan 
uh, of the of the Cleveland Browns, I think was it two years ago. That's the exact game I'm thinking of. I was he, there for he, it. He came in because a starter got hurt, and the only thing they could do with Kevin Hogan was run the read option. Kevin Hogan ran seven times for 104 yards. In fact, we looked it up. I think in the last five years, I think there's been three quarterbacks rushed for over 100 yards in a game, two of them against the Bengals. Colin Kaepernick was another one. He didn't do it against the Bengals. But Kevin Hogan's one, and Lamar Jackson is is two. Solid. Uh, yeah, and, and it, 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 it just... It, it was. I don't think it was a complete failure because you still only gave up 24 points. Your defense still did enough. I mean, at one point, they, they made them punt three straight times. That hadn't happened in a while. So I'll give them some level of improvement. But uh, I, I just – and I don't see how it gets better. That's the thing. I don't know how it gets better. You're now out. Preston Brown's out for the year. Nick Vigil may be back this week. We'll see. Vontez Burfecht just stinks. I mean, he's, he's so bad. He can't run. He can't play. All he wants to do is complain about – about people, he, he flops. He he accuses people of spitting on him that really didn't spit on him. He's a clown show. Uh, so you know you've got to deal with that. The defensive front's been underwhelming. Uh, you know I, I need to see more Marvin, and this is not going to be an easy week either because Cleveland's got some guys. I mean they've got some guys. They're young, but they got some guys, man. Yeah, they forced three st- straight stops at one point because Baltimore's offense stinks. Yes, they stunk it up yes, for three correct. straight drives. Correct. That's what happened. Yeah, there. correct. That's fair. Skinny Browns interim coach Greg Williams said the Browns wouldn't change up their calls or schemes just because Hugh Jackson was hired onto the Bengals staff. He said he doesn't think it gives the Bengals any advantage. Do you think having Hugh Jackson on staff gives the Bengals an edge or not against the Browns on Sunday? A little because he's going to know some personnel things and what certain guys can do. Maybe when you look at some route combinations, what what can this guy really do in a route? Um, you know, maybe you can look at, at some some techniques up front and say, hey, this guy does this. He tips his hand. We've told him about it. He won't change it. Um, and probably on both sides of the ball, just little nuanced stuff. But no, I mean, it's not like he's going to look at a formation and know specifically it's going to be this play call. You can get that from film, right? I mean, that's what film's for, to see certain formations and go, all right, out of this formation, they're going to do this or that or that or this. I, I don't think Hugh's going to help any any more than what the film would show you. But I think, can he help with some personnel? Uh, maybe he can say, hey, this guy, the, the weak side linebackers lost a step and they don't think he has, but trust me, he has. We can do these things. So yeah, I think I think he can help some. Yeah, some. Where is Hugh at during games? Hugh stood on the sidelines with a, with, a, with a sheet in his hands and I still don't know what he did. I watched him a few times and he was really good at standing where the ball was and looking at the play evolve. I thought he was great at that. I, I, I'm not sure there's another coach in the league that does that any better or was, did that any better. Was he interacting with Marvin or other coaches as the game's going I on? I didn't see all of it because I'm watching plays mostly, but uh, I, I, I saw him talk a little bit, like turn around a couple of times and say a couple of things, but didn't look like there was a whole lot going on there. I, I, you know, after the first defensive series, Marvin did take the defense over to the side, and he was in that huddle for a while. And I was trying to figure out what Hugh's role was. I think Hugh thought he was the head coach at that point, and because he's going to be the head coach, and so he's getting a little practice run in. <laughs> okay. I was just looking to see if he had the uh, had the red flag too. If, if he had the red flag, that would that would have told me something. But I, I I'm still trying to figure out what the hell he did on Sunday. I, I just don't know. And, and now Marvin doesn't want to talk about Hugh anymore. He doesn't want to talk about Auden Tate. He doesn't want to talk about Hugh. No more you questions. I, I do think it matters. Um, the fact that he's on the sideline and he's he's able to communicate with the staff instantaneously. Well, yeah, Mar- Marvin couldn't on. communicate because he couldn't get the daggone headset to work for for a series. So there's that. That's a great point. Which, by the way, that should have been a topic that, that we talked about topic, today. Yeah. I don't know how we missed that. We thought we can still do that. I guess we uh, can talk about that right now. Uh, yeah, Breaker One Nine. Uh, is it, can, can anybody can anybody hear me? Anybody? Anybody? Make sure you turn Marvin off. Turn him off. We'll signal in the place ourselves. Turn him off. This is like when uh, we used to work at an unnamed uh, radio station, yes. and we used to have to do the fake chopper. Yes, and we used to try for to send out to the chopper for yes. traffic, yes. and it correct. never worked. Never worked. Never worked. Nope. 
Chopper 9, come in, Chopper, Chopper 9. 9. Chopper 9, come in, Chopper little, 9. Little cloud coverage yeah, over the, Fairfield today. Where's Marvin? Where's Marvin at this time? Marvin, come in, please. <laughs> what a clown show. I think I think there can be a benefit to Hugh Jackson being on the field, being able to communicate things as they're going on, because they're like you said, there's but, who's, be, but whose toes does he step on when he does that though? Probably all of theirs. But it's <laughs> but, yeah. But if it's for one game, like you said, he didn't do anything last game, right? So no, if he didn't bother anyone to this point, I think everyone looks at him for the Browns game, going, "Okay, this is your scout, man. Like you've got yeah. the scout today. You tell us what we should be doing today." And I think there are maybe some things where, hey. Their tendency here, like, yes. they're going to go to yes. this. Or, like, yes. when they do this look, but this also, is what this But means. I also do think film shows that, too, though. Film will show that, but, like, you can only give your guys so much stuff. Right. You know, you can only remember so much stuff to where if you've got a guy who just knows it, like, the, it's his system, yeah. he can be saying on the fly, like, hey, this is coming, call a timeout, or what have you. Yeah. Um, and I do think maybe more than anything, the biggest benefit he can bring is what you pointed out before, which was like, hey, this guy has a tip or this guy sucks in this type of right, situation. Right. Run right at him. Yes. Run this play at him because I know he can't make this play or he's bad going to this yes, direction right, or whatever. Right. Like he may have those small little nuances that, yeah, you could maybe find out on film if you watch every little thing right. all season long. But or he can say that ahead of time, then you watch the film and the film backs that up and you're like, okay, yep, you're right. You, you can see that. You can show the players what you're talking about, those kind of things. So yeah, I, I do. I, I think there is some He help could make sure. you more efficient and more focused yes. in how you look to attack these yes. guys. So I do think there's a benefit. Do I think it means the Bengals win this game? No, I don't. In fact, I think I'll take the Browns. Really? We'll get to that. We'll get second. to that in a second. Holy cow. Rick Xavier lost three straight games over 10 days. The one at home against Wisconsin and the first two in Maui against Auburn and San Diego State. They did get back on track Wednesday night, beat Illinois thanks to a big second half. Uh, what's your biggest concern about this Xavier team right now? I think if you asked the fan base, you'd get a lot of different answers. Like, seem like the, they're going crazy. The defense would be the big one probably. Turnovers. Lots of stuff about the problems we've seen during this losing streak. To me, a lot of those things are fixable, and a lot of them can be cleaned up. They're not as big of a concern to me as what we kind of saw happen in the Auburn game, which is I don't know that this team has star players right. that can be star players. And that doesn't mean they don't have a guy that can go score 20 points in a game. It means when the game's on the line and you need a clutch play, it doesn't have to be a tough shot. It doesn't have to be a guy creating his own points. It can just be a guy who knows how to operate in a pick and roll and make a play for his teammate, but like they don't seem to have a guy right now who looks comfortable taking over the game That's in what you any way, in overtime, shape, or form. Right? That's what you needed in overtime. That's what you, you had multiple opportunities in regulation right. where your defense was getting the job done where you just needed someone to step up and say, I've got the play for us right here, or I'm willing to be that guy. I'm willing to get us organized, and you guys can look to me to ride me. Quentin Gooden has played poorly to this point in the season. Yes, he has. Najee Marshall has been awful to this point in the season. Other than the second half of Wisconsin. I thought he was really good the second half yeah, of Wisconsin. that is true. That is true. Um, but from what people expected out of him, he's yeah. certainly been a huge yeah. disappointment. Paul Scruggs has been very up and down. You expect those guys to get better, and there's certainly still upside that one of those guys could develop into that sort of go-to star player. But when you look at this team in general, none of those guys, none of their strength is they're a bucket getter. Like, they're all more sort of that secondary, complementary, slasher, defender, creator, what have you. But none of them are like bucket and, getters and, and comfortable where, being that. And I'll ask you, because you're way around this program more than I am. I'm just watching it from a casual distance from afar. Um, it, it was Najee Marshall ready to become the guy? I mean, maybe we looked at him in, in the role he was last year where there were other guys around him, and he was really good in a complementary role. And some guys just aren't comfortable being the guy. Can, can he be the guy? 
We're going to find out. Uh, I think he can be the guy, but he ha- he has to look at it a little bit differently for one. Like he seems to be a guy right now that's turning it on and off in terms of his yeah. effort and intensity. Yeah. I think the Wisconsin game was a perfect example of that. He's not skilled enough to do that. Like he's not a guy who shoots it all that well. He doesn't he turns the ball over a little too much cuz the handle gets loose at times, but he can get where he needs to go with his yes. handles. He can pass, he can make plays for guys, but he has to be on all the time. Like he has to be an extreme competitor. And until he finds that, he doesn't even have a chance to be that go-to star player. And even then, there are some concerns because his game is a little bit limited in terms of the skill. He's still developing that part. If he develops a little bit more of a jump shot, which has been okay to this point, yeah. just not consistent enough, and if he gets a little more tight with his with uh, taking care of the basketball, then I think that it's still there. I mean, he's only a sophomore, and we're only six games into a sophomore season. Yeah, and let's face it, and I'm not making an excuse here, um, but you didn't get a chance to ease into the season with a group you needed to kind of ease into the season with, right? I mean, first two, ga- first two games, yes, and that's that's normal. But then all of a sudden, man, you go Wisconsin into Maui, that's a pretty good stretch. Wisconsin's still undefeated. I think they're really their top 25 team. I think rightfully so. I think they're maybe a top 15 team. I really, I don't think they have a lot of depth, but I really like their, their first five or six guys. And in Maui, the best you were going to do was go two and one. The you weren't winning that thing. I don't care if you'd have gotten through Auburn and through Duke. You weren't getting through probably Gonzaga. You, so two and one's the best you could have done. And after you lost the first game to what's a really good Auburn team, and I think they're really really good. San Diego State's a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, big. But, but if you had won that game, I'm not sure you're beating Iowa State either because I think Iowa State's really good. So yeah, the the one and two looks awful, but. I think that's about what you were going to do. I, I think that stretch of games is about where you were. Now, how do you come out of this stretch, fix some things, and realize, hey, all right, we stood toe-to-toe with Wisconsin, pretty good team. We stood toe-to-toe with Auburn, really good team. Again, San Diego State was a disappointment, but you also had a 19-point freaking lead in that game, for goodness sakes, um, and then just kind of wilted. Uh, I, I, I don't think they're in a bad spot. And now there's a lot, you know, you're going into a league that's going to be a bear again, but I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm concerned because some things you, t- you just talked about, but I don't think that I would be jumping off the, off, the, off the side of the road right now. No, my expectations for this team haven't changed. I still think their upside is they're a team that could sneak into the tournament yes. as like a 10-11 seed. They're going to be on the bubble late in the year. I don't think they're going to be an under 500 team that's completely out of it. Either. I think they're better than that. I, I know a lot of people are concerned about that, um, but I expected this team to be 10-3 and three in the non-conference. Right now, they've already lost those three games, but when you look at the games coming out, the two toss-up games left are the Crosstown Shootout, right. which I think people would favor Cincinnati in that game, certainly, especially since they're mm, at home. Yeah, probably. But it's certainly a winnable game, especially yes. when you consider yes. the history of this team against Mick Cronin. And then the other one is a game at Missouri, which is absolutely a winnable game. So didn't Kennesaw get them? Somebody got them that shouldn't have gotten them. Yeah, it's not good. They're not in yeah. good shape. I mean, well, obviously, Jonte Porter them. is out. Yeah, so right, right. They're really struggling right now. Xavier is going to probably be nine and four, or potentially even still ten and three, which is exactly where you expect yes. them to be, assuming there's no big letdowns along the way here. And and this team is capable of having big letdowns. And San Diego State was a letdown, but. I don't think the expectations should be changed just because of that no, game. They're no. still figuring things out. Like I said, Maui, best you were doing is 2-1, and one, and honestly, after you lost that first game based on what was left in that tournament, you were still probably going 1-2 and two, no matter how you went 1-2. and two. Skinny, the Reds announced on Wednesday that the club and pitcher Rizel Iglesias agreed to a three-year contract. Iglesias had been on a seven-year, $27 million contract signed in June 2014, had two years with $10 million remaining. So he's basically going to get $5 million a year for the next two years. 
According to Mark uh, Feinzen at MLB.com, the new contract is worth $24.125 million. So he's getting about a $3 million per year pay raise yep. for the next few years. Do you think it's prudent to be paying a closer or a back end of the rotation guy that much money? No, but I don't think that's what he. I, I think what they're going to do use him now for is is that multiple inning guy, and 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 I I think that's going to be the new wave of this. I really I think it's going to come where you're, you're going to get more and more got more and more teams are going to throw a guy for three innings, two innings, two innings, two innings, or three, 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 and I think he's that kind of. I think he can take the ball quite often. Um, I was reading some stuff today where um, Dick Williams, the general manager, said, look, we did this in part because this allows him to not worry about stats to get to arbitration. You know, you've, you've taken him away from the arbitration part of it where you don't have to worry about him suddenly wanting his 30 saves to get to arbitration because it's a stupid number anyway um, and, and probably getting the money here. So I think it was a prudent deal because you avoid that. I don't think it's prudent if that's his only role is just as a set closer, and I don't think it's going to be. And the new pitching coach, they said this is how he operated – Yes. Right. Like yes. he liked in, to in, use in this guy in, in high Milwaukee. leverage yes. situations. Yes. Correct. You know, you bring in you bring in your your best guy in the in the sixth inning with two on, one out, needing a strikeout or needing needing to get through that inning, and then okay, through that one, let me get through another one. Got through that one. Get through another one. Hey, can he still go another? Get him. Get him through another one. So, um, yeah, I, and I think that's that's where in this case you and you take the whole he's focused on getting stats to get to arbitration to make more money, and you've taken the arbitration equation out of it for for that period of time, and really not a huge. You know, financial bump, an extra three million a year. I, I'm good with. It. I think it's. I think it's a prudent move. I think it's. It, it shows that they're thinking. I don't want to say outside the box, but at least they're thinking. I'll give them that. And I think you had to come out looking aggressive. Th- yes. This this yes. management had to come out looking aggressive, saying still best go get some starting pitchers, though, man. That's not going to make up for that no, at all. But at least it looked like, hey, the guy or two that we have that is worth something yes. that has some potential to be with us going forward. We're going to get him. And I, We're I, yeah, keep him and, and the contract is not an. I don't think it's an awful contract. I think no, it's, it's not going to hurt you. I mean, correct. he's it's still, not going to preclude you from going to get other guys or trading him. Still, yes. he's still trade bait. That's um, correct. And I don't. I, I looked at it and it didn't say anything about whether there was a no trade clause or not. So that's interesting but yeah I agree, absolutely and, and I think that's a, a possibility for him because I do think he's one of the guys with some serious value on no the doubt. market right no now. doubt no question about it alright let's look at some college football lines and NFL lines for the week uh, UCF jumping ahead of Ohio State in the rankings thanks in part I think to UCF's impressive win over uh, over the UC Bearcats is Central Florida better than Ohio State no do I'm, they, put, do, I'm putting them on a neutral field right now. Who's the favorite? Ohio State. Yeah, I think so too. By six. six and a half. Yep. Okay. Yeah. We, we we're on the same page. Um. And and I'm taking Ohio State. Right. Like I don't yes. think. Yes. Yes. I probably am too. I. I'll be honest. I want to see Central Florida compete with these teams. I honestly would love to see them in the college football playoff just for the storyline of it. Because let's be honest. We're going to. We've seen Alabama and Clemson a lot, and yes. we're going to continue to see them a yes. lot. Like they're not going anywhere. So I would be willing to just get the storyline out of the way and say, can Central Florida or any non-power five team that's dominating the way Central Florida has really compete with those schools or not? And my answer is, I don't think they can. Yeah, I, I, here's what I think. Look, I was kind of anti-playoffs when it first started. I've, I'm starting to like it more, and then I'm now liking it less because it is kind of a sameness to it. I, I still think eight teams is the way to go. Once you set this up, I mean, and, and it's the formula is so stinking easy, man. You have five automatic bids to the Power Five Conference champion. You got to win your conference championship, and that might mean a Northwestern gets in because it beat Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, we see that in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a team you're like, 
Well, that's not one of the best. Well, it doesn't matter. That, that's the criteria, okay? And then you got three wild cards. So if it is a, let's just say Northwestern beats the Ohio State-Michigan game and team or winner, whoever that is, um, and you still think they're one of the best eight or one of the best three remaining, then they can still get in, right? So go five and three wild cards. And then when you have a Central Florida, I think they probably earn a wild card at that spot at that at that point in time. That way you take all this argument out of the equation of, boy, they just, they're never going to get in. I, I think they should at least deserve that chance. I want to see that chance. My, I go cross-eyed looking at all the scenarios yes. and everything it would take for different teams to make, and I don't want to get into all that of whether they can or can't, but I, I think you agree with me. There's no chance they're actually going to get in, no, even if all none, this stuff plays none, out. They're not zero, in. None. And I don't think they probably deserve it. Like If you're trying to get the four best teams in, yes. I don't think anyone would look at Central See, Florida that, and say that, they should be ahead of... That's the part that people need to understand. You need to stop looking completely at the losses for some teams and look at who they think the committee thinks are the four best. And a lot of times it is based on record because you've proven that. But that's so hard in college football because if a team, what if Alabama took a second loss? They're not, they're not taking it. They may take a loss. I don't think they're taking a second. Right. But if like, they take a second, I would tell if, you that I don't think they deserve it at this stage of the game. But that's the thing. That would be, that would, for them, that would be back-to-back losses, though. That would be Auburn and lost in the SEC championship game. You lose back-to-back at this point in time. Sorry, you don't get in. They're not going to, mind you. They're not. I agree, but it completely contradicts what you just said, which is— But then, I, don't, then I wouldn't say they're one of the best teams in the, in the, in the land. But, but if we're going by, like, actually the best teams, there's no doubt they're one I, of the I, best teams. I so, test, you're right. I both test Yeah, I just think it, it makes it really hard to do that's a what football. I'm saying. Why, why not have the set criteria of five conference champions, and then you have three subjective picks? And, I don't, and look, the three subjective picks will still be difficult to make, but at least everybody at that stage, you can say, listen, you all had, everybody had the opportunity to win your conference championship. You had the opportunity to schedule up, and look, this team that went undefeated in, the, in this other league, in, in, in the American, look, we think they're one of the teams that deserves it. The rest of you, you know, you had your opportunities. They're going to get theirs. I have no problem with it. And then you know what's going to happen? What's that? That ninth place team is going to be a sticking always, point for the next five is. years. There's always going to be but, one team but left this way, out. Though, I agree. This way, the thing is, with only four, you're still leaving out one of the power fives. Heck, sometimes if, if the SEC gets could two in several out, years, yeah. yeah, you leave out a couple of power Which fives. Which could be the case this year. Yeah, it really could be. All right, let's look at some lines. Ohio State, a four-and-a-half point underdog at home against Michigan. Um, who you got? I think Michigan. Really? Yeah, I just... Big brother, little brother. I know, but, man, I don't know. I just don't trust this Ohio State team I, with the way things have gone the last month. I would I would take every nickel I have and go with the Buckeyes and the points. Really? Yes, I would. All right, well, that sounds like it, a little... It, it is... Look, I think Michigan's the better team. I think if they played 20 times, no matter where they played, they'd probably, I don't know, it would be—it would probably be, I'd favor Michigan. They'd win the majority of the time. But until Michigan can beat Ohio State, they don't beat Ohio State. And they're in Columbus, and you're going to give me points on top of it in what could be a field goal game? Run to the bank, man. I like Michigan to win the game. I don't love four and a half points. Um, that scares you there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely scares me. But, it, I mean, why wouldn't it? For all the reasons you just listed, I still think Michigan is the better team. I think they win this. I'll go Michigan in the points. I think we should put a little uh, our, little pull of something on that. 12-pack yeah, okay. of, of, our, of our choice. There we go. I like that. I always like so I, I'm getting the points, too. Yeah. I'm getting yeah, four and a half. Going with this line. Yes. Oh, boy, I love it. Thank you. That'll be a good, good, tasty 12-pack. Why? Do you want to go straight up? If you want to go straight up, we can go straight no, up. No, no. I just want to make sure what the criteria are. Okay. I mean, maybe I'll play. Can I play the money line for I'm a case? A fair guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, we can go money line right, for the case. For the case. There we go. Uh, East Carolina getting 19 at UC. This game is a 330 game on Friday. The total in this one is 51. Um, 
I I hate the t- East Carolina is so bad. I do think there's going to be a, a I think it's going to be a letdown game for Cincinnati enough to where it's they're not losing this game, but enough to where they just don't play well and they get a sloppy win, win by a co- even a couple of touchdowns. It's going to be comfortable. But if I had to, and I really don't like it because I don't think East Carolina is worth a darn, I'll take the 19. I think it does go over the 51 because I you know this UC defense. It's kind of like Kentucky's. They've carried a big load for the for the whole year. You know, you kind of you got a couple guys banged up on, on not just banged up but hurt on the defensive side of the ball. I think UC wins it. I'll go Bearcats 34-21 so it goes over. Nailed it. I just say move on. Kentucky is a 17-point favorite at Louisville. The total in that game is 52. That's 7 p.m. on Saturday night. Skinny there's no way the Cats let down here, is it? I mean, this this team is disappointing late in the season, but this isn't going to happen, is it? No, I don't think so. Although, you know, you look two years ago, I mean, literally just two, how about a 45-point swing in the point spread in a two-year span? Two years ago, when Lamar Jackson was winning the Heisman Trophy, Louisville was a 28-point favorite at home. They're at home this year. Uh, and Kentucky ended up winning that game 41-38 on a, on a last-second field goal. Um, look, Louisville has shown nothing. Uh, you know, even after they fired Bobby Petrino, you thought you'd get a little bounce off of that. Maybe they were equally. They're so bad defensively. Um, I mean, this could be. It's probably Benny Snell's last regular season game. Um, I think he's two hundred something yards short of the all-time school rushing record. I think they feed him. I think he has a huge day. And I, I, I think Kentucky does not have a. I think their letdown came in Middle Tennessee. Um, and they shook that off and, and got an early lead and then held on, didn't play great. I mean, their quarterback completed 30 of 33 passes. Um, so that, that's, not, that's not a good thing. But I think Kentucky wins this one. I'll go 41-17 Kentucky. Yeah, I think Kentucky wins it, and uh, I, I, I'd take the points as well. However, I would stay away from the, the over. I, I don't like 52 with this Kentucky team. I, I could see them defense making Defense has had some slippage, though, and Louisville's defense is ju- – I mean, Louisville's defense is almost epically It's bad. so bad, and it might just be that Benny Snell runs for 300 yards and six touchdowns or something. I could see it getting up that way. But I think Kentucky is going to shorten this game, make it ugly, and just get out of there with their win and be happy with that. There you go. Skinny, the Bengals are giving three at home against the Browns. The over-under is set at 47.5. That game, of course, at 1 p.m. on Sunday. First of all, where where are the Bengals at right now? They lose the Ravens. We talked about had they won that game, they were set up to pretty much secure themselves that last wild card yep. spot almost assuredly. Yep. Now where do they stand? They're all they're, There's a bunch of five and fives. They do have. The key is they, they've... they've they, I think, still hold the tiebreaker with the Ravens t- as we sit here today, and that'll change because they split, and then it'll come down to a uh, to conference record. But they have the they have the tiebreaker against Miami, five and five. They have the tiebreaker against Indy, five and five. Um, so you know they don't have, they don't they don't play Tennessee, but I do believe they also have a better conference record than them right now. So they still are set up if you can take care of your business to get that last wild card. But you can't lose you can't lose this. This is one of the four. They have to win four more games, and this is one of the four you have to win. This one. Um, you have to win the, the Raider game at home. You have to win the Denver game at home. And then you got to find another win wherever that is, whether it's at Cleveland, whether you go out to, to L.A. and somehow sneak one up on the Chargers. Maybe you get lucky against Pittsburgh that last week, and Pittsburgh's playing for nothing. They've secured a bye. They've secured home. Whatever it is, maybe Pittsburgh's playing for nothing, and you get the chance to steal one when they pull starters. Maybe that's the fourth. But you got to win four, and you ain't winning four if you ain't winning this game. It feels over after that Ravens game. It will be over if you lose this Browns no question. one. For no Ravens. question. Because at this stage, there's nothing left to sell. You've changed defensive coordinators. Um, you, you know, you've got, you're, you're going to get probably A.J. Green back for this week, so you don't have that excuse any longer. You might get Nick Vigil back. So you know, you've got 
some some at least a couple of key guys on both sides of the ball back. I mean, there's no more excuses after this. You lose this, you're done. Bengals are three point favorites. Who you got? I'm gonna go Bengals. It's going over. I mean, neither one of these defenses are any good. I, I mean, honestly, the Browns' defense was good early in the year. They've been just a sieve over the last seven or so weeks. I'll go Bengals 34-24. 10 point home victory. I think the Baker gets it done. I'm telling you, I watching He's been good man. He's watching been this good. defense, Nick Chubb's been watching good, the man. way that Browns' offense is trending. They've got the energy. They've got the momentum. They're the team that's playing like they have something to play for, even though they absolutely I, I, do not. Let me just tell you this, and I, I said this on a, on a different podcast earlier this week. If they, lo- if the Bengals lose this game, if the Brown family wants to save any face, Marvin Lewis gets fired after this immediately. game. Immediately. It's, it's not even debatable because there's nothing left to play for. There's nothing left to sell your fan base. There's no reason to bring him back after this year if they don't make the playoffs. So honestly, at this stage of the game, if he, if you don't win this game, a home game that's a must win, then see ya. You've done enough. You've had you're, you've had you've, you've probably long past had your day. And I know most Bengals fans feel that way. I, I've not always been in that camp because I I'm not always sure the grass is greener on the other side. And and sometimes be careful what you wish for. All those things. But at this stage of the game, there's nothing. You ain't, this was a make the playoffs or bust season. That's it. Make them. And I know you can say, well, they're still mathematically alive. Yeah, okay, they are, but they also aren't because if you're not beating the Browns at home with something on the line. Who, you're not winning much else the rest of the way anyway. So what's the and, point? And no one wants to watch you if you no do make the playoffs. No one wants to watch you. Point. Yes, that is correct. I uh, yeah. So I, I've got the Browns in that one. The over under is at forty seven and a half. I think it gets over that. So I'd take the Browns on the money line and the over. All right, there you go. There's our picks for the week. All right, skinny. The two biggest names in golf over the past twenty five years, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. We'll meet in a winner-take-all $9 million match play event the day after Thanksgiving, tomorrow on Friday, at Shadow Creek Golf Course in Las Vegas. Are you interested in this event? Does this You know me. I'm you? a golf geek, right? You are I, a golf I, I, ra- I raised two golfing daughters. One, Very good one, one, one played in college, so I'm a, I'm a golf dad, a golf guy. I've coached, I coached high school golf. I like golf. Um, and I'm probably going to watch just because, but I don't know how much it really overall interests me. I, I I'm debating whether to do the pay-per-view portion of this. I, I just don't know if I'll do it. Um, the thing that would interest me is if it's their own money on the line. That, that's what would interest me, man. Put up your own money. Make this a real live, you know, real, real live. Hey, you're playing for something. You know, you're playing for other people's money yeah. and not I, for charity. I don't yeah. want anything for charity. No. I want this to be like I want your this, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Tiger and Phil are always interesting. I mean, they do. I mean, they draw eyeballs. They're interesting. I still, I wish we'd go back. They used to have the Skins game back in the 80s. I love the old Skins game. The only problem is I wish you were putting up your own money. Put up your own money and I'll watch. Just let these guys go out on the course, drink some beers and gamble against each other. Yes. Like get actually heated and start raising each other. No question. You get behind by 50 grand. You're pressing on the 13th. Two million on the next hole, buddy. Correct. Let them get a little drunk. Where where there's a real sweat going on having to make that eight foot putt. Because you know the... I sweat over a dollar a skin hole putt, man. I can't imagine sweating. I don't care how much money you got. If it's real money and there's a hundred grand on the line on a putt, you're sweating that thing a little bit, dude. No kidding. And these guys with their competitive nature, you get a little beer no flowing question. through them too. All of a sudden, those bets start jumping up real quick, and the bravado comes out. Yep, that could be a fun event to watch. This, I'm not as convinced. I do think one problem golf might have is I didn't know this was tomorrow. It's funny you said the only reason I do. I remember when it came out was I remember day after Thanksgiving. That's the only thing I remember. And you, you're this was you and I were talking about this before the podcast. Um, the fact of they they did advertise it on TV, but you said you didn't you don't watch TV a whole lot, and I, I other than sports, I really don't sports and news, I really don't either. I've flipped on. CNN. I I've not seen many over the air ads for this either. 
I can count. I flipped on CNN three times within the last month for news stories after I got home from work just because we were covering sure, work, right. work and go home. Just I just want to see how they, as yeah. I went to sleep, I watched right. CNN. Um, and then I flipped on Xavier games and Bengals games yeah, on right. the TV. Outside of that, I have not turned on the TV. I don't know if I've just missed the ads, if no, I've turned them out because I've been you're tweeting. You're obviously but, a way generation younger than I am, so you are a, a, a iPhone and and uh, and laptop guy that that's going through Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and for a lot of you if it's not on there you're 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 really you're not seeing it and I feel like they must not be pushing that as much on here because I just have not come across it. and this is something I'm mildly interesting and in, interested in I thought it was a good idea yeah. when like they first announced it for real money though for their for their own money I Put like your, your own money up baby. I like your idea better I, I I don't really care too much about this but I might watch some of it yeah there you go I want to know who won yeah. Rick, there's been a lot of talk about this Duke basketball team over the first few weeks of the college basketball season. We've seen that freshman class do some great things and had them talking about it. In fact, there's there's talk of them running the table. I don't know if you saw this. There's a guy I follow on Twitter. They could beat the Cavaliers, right? He, yeah, well, no, this guy is a news guy in Orlando, and this was actually interesting to me. He um, he and some buddies ponied up 500 bucks, and they decided they were going to bet Duke on the money line every game and just let it ride. Because they were basically betting on Duke having a perfect season. You're not worrying about point spread. Now, some of the games, obviously, you're not getting much back on your return. In fact, I think, who'd they play in the semifinal? Uh, Auburn. Auburn, yes. They, yeah, they were getting back. I think they, they, I think they had $532 that accumulated because they were big favorites over Army. They were favorites over Kentucky. Not big, but they hadn't accumulated a whole lot. I think they're up to 580 bucks. They were getting $80 back. Bottom line is, they were writing this out. Well, they just they just got it snapped uh, when they lost to Gonzaga in the championship game of the Maui Invitational. Was this team overhyped, or maybe is Gonzaga at this time of year the kind of team that can beat a young team like Duke? They were overhyped in, as a team. It was over. It was overrated to start talking about they're going to go forty and zero, and this team da 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 da. Like we hadn't seen enough. Now, granted, they had played some teams already. Like yeah. they had crushed Kentucky. They had already played some big time games Auburn. in the Maui Invitational. So they had proven themselves a little bit, and they had dominated those teams that they needed. Now Auburn played them pretty tough, but even yeah. before that, Duke had been nothing short of extremely impressive. But you got to get. You got to get into some games. You got to at least get into conference play before we start doing the forty and zero. Can they beat the worst team in the NBA? Type conversations. It was too early for that. However, to talk about these freshmen, those guys are not overrated. No, they are. Those three again, probably going to go. I mean, they almost brought, they almost they almost came all the way back last night on Wednesday night. Yeah, I don't know that Reddish is going to be a top five pick the way things are going right. right now. Like he might slip a little bit, but I think undoubtedly these guys are all top ten and probably like top seven or eight type picks in the draft. Never happened before. Not in the same class. This is unprecedented. Those guys are not overhyped. Zion Williamson is ridiculous. Barrett is pretty ridiculous. Yep. Let, let's not forget this is November the twenty first. We still have about four months of college basketball left for them to play games, play games together, get better. All of those, all of those things that good teams do over the course of a season. Um, and you're playing a Gonzaga team that's really good. They're ranked number three in the country for a reason, and they're experienced. And this kind of team at this type of at this time of the year. That's the kind of team that can beat a young team like Duke, no matter how talented Duke is. And Gonzaga's a little different this year because they also have the elite one yep. and talent yep. in Hachimura. Hachimura so is great. He's a great player. It's not the same as like those other right. Gonzaga teams where, like, yeah, they're old and experienced, but they don't quite have the that guy. elite guy right. that's one and done going to be a lottery pick. They've got that this year, so they can match up a little bit better, and they were impressive in the way that they stuck to what they do yes. and kept attacking yes. Duke. They didn't let Duke dictate the terms yep. of that conflict, as Bill Walton would say. Yeah, no, I, I, it was 
was actually a great game, and um, you can see these two teams are, are certainly quality Final Four type teams for sure. Yeah, I want both of these teams have a very legit chance to win a national no championship. Question. No question. Skinny, this is coming from Andover Public Schools in Massachusetts. More than a dozen Thanksgiving Day football showdowns had to be rescheduled, including the the well-known Arlington Catholic and Arlington and Andover and North Andover rivalry There's games. There's nothing like Andover, North Andover, man. Those guys get you don't, heated. You don't know. It was canceled due to the expected extreme cold temperatures and brutal wind chill on Thanksgiving morning. The quote... Uh, the quote from coming out from one of the coaches, this is uh, Andover football coach E.J. Perry. Players don't mind playing in the cold. They don't mind playing Wednesday night. If North Andover wants to meet on Route 495 and set up two goalposts, let's get it on. I love it. I love it. This is football guy at its finest, no first of all. No but doubt. But Skinny, what are your thoughts on this move by the Andover public school system to break from tradition and reschedule these football games because it's too cold on Thanksgiving morning? I guess, the look, we are in a CYA society, right? It is total CYA time. If a player comes down with frostbite in that game, literally, I mean, I'm, I'm being serious here, somebody's getting sued. Somebody's getting sued. I mean, it's what, just the way we are in society. That's why we have now the extreme heat. When it gets above a certain index, games are canceled and rescheduled. In this case, this is just simply CYA. I, I'd have to know how extreme cold. I mean, are we talking like wind chills in the, in the single digits, in the negatives? I think you can bundle up for that. In the negative 25s, the negative 30s, that does become a, a bit extreme. And then from a fan perspective, do you, are fans really going to, other than mom and dad, and even then mom probably isn't going to come and dad may come. Mom might sit in the car and get out in the fourth quarter and come say, hey, I was here the whole time. Sorry, I'm sorry for moms because there's a lot of tough moms yeah, out there. Sexist, tough it out. It is. A lot of tough moms sexist. will tough it out. But it's 2018. I, yeah, I, this is just a CYA thing. I do like football coach guys quote because I think that's truly what all of them feel. We'll play you anytime, anywhere. At, at, we'll play on a parking lot at Sears, whatever. By the way, Route 495, that's like saying let's go play on I-275. Correct. With cars, with yeah. traffic. Which, which uh, Northern Kentucky football coach would come up with that quote? Oh, let me think. I think my guy Noel Rash would do that for sure. He'd play on I-275. <laughs> he would play on I-275. Because he'll play anybody. Any, I mean, yeah, he plays he big schools. He'll he play does. anybody. He does. I think he'd be that kind of guy. <laughs> I for sure. It. For sure. But again, it's, the thing is, all these Thanksgiving games days, are, are, they're, they're, it is tradition. You hate to break with tradition, but... I got to tell you, I, I do get it, man. It's CYA, baby. Doesn't bother me a bit. Go eat your turkey, have fun. You're in high school. Like, I'm kudos to the school system for realizing that a high school football game isn't a big deal. Yes. And no one should be out making themselves miserable Correct. just so you can stick with tradition of playing a stupid football game. Move it to Wednesday night. Right. Move, Move it to whenever, whenever yeah, you right. want to do when it's 40 degrees out and people will actually show up yes. and not be miserable. Agreed. Good job, Andover. Everyone enjoy Thanksgiving with your families. I appreciate it. Exactly. Kevin Durant Skinny was fined $25,000 for telling a fan to watch the effing game and shut the F up the other night. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was caught on camera, as yes, most it, oh, things yes, are in 2018. Yes, it was. Durant wasn't bothered by his fine, but he did have a message for fans who come to games to heckle players saying, grown men can't come to a game and heckle grown men. That's corny. That's weak. Went on to mumble a few other things, but Skinny, are you with KD or against KD on heckling? Like, do you think guys should be allowed to go to a game and, and heckle, or is that a weak move if no, you're an adult? No, I think they should be allowed. Um, yeah, like, you're not going to get thrown in jail, but I mean, correct. is that a weak move? Yes, that? yes, he's right. I mean, seriously, it, it tells me that your life is miserable. If that's what you get joy out of, if you don't get the joy out of watching these dudes play at that level probably close enough to where you're you're able to be heard. You're obviously very close to the action. You're not like in the upper deck yelling that stuff where he can hear it and he can respond. You're courtside. That's where the guy was, obviously. He's right, it is. It's corny and it's completely weak. 
You want to cheer for your team and 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 what? Yeah, you're, shut up. Shut the f up and watch the effing game. This is the best thing. There's a very easy cutoff point for you. It is. For most people, probably 22, 23, 24. It's whatever that year after you get out of college was. You get that one more year where you're just out of college. You think you can still yell at players, whatever. You get drunk at a few games. You realize you're an idiot because no one around you is doing it. And now you're an adult and you quit yelling at games. Or at least heckling players yeah. and officials or whatever. You know, you want to cheer for your team. Great. All for that. But yes, if you're going and you're screaming at a player or you're screaming at a coach or you're telling them what they should be doing... You are, one, an idiot. Two, you're not nearly as smart as you think correct. you are, and you're probably not correct about the things you're yelling out there. Yes. And three, you're a loser. Yes. Like, no one yes. around you wants to be around you. No one wants to hang out with you. Everyone sitting around you is miserable by the fact that they have to sit around you. Stop. Yeah, that's the part. It becomes uncomfortable for those around that person, too, right? It really, no does. It really it. does. It really does. It becomes completely uncomfortable. I, uh, good for you, Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant does some goofy things at times. I think he's a little bit on the... He's very... Um, Emotional, yeah. very sensitive, very sensitive. I think is the word. Skinned, yeah, and and that's probably where he just needs. It's like it's like people yelling at you on Twitter. Just ignore it; it goes away, right? Unless they're trying, unless they come up with something factual that you want to say. Hey, your facts are wrong here. Um, but in this case, I, I can't blame him. And I think he's actually right. It is corny and it is weak. Skinny. This next one, it is. It is fantastic. Before you go there, I, I will tell you, I actually had to turn around one time in an AAU tournament game and tell a fan on another team to shut the blank up. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But just remember, folks, this is a guy who doesn't like trash talking. I don't. I, here's what I, I, I'll give you the scenario. That's here's, just telling people what they should do, right? Here's what happened. Loose ball. One of my guys dies for it. Doing what he's taught to do. Dive for the ball on the floor. Another guy from another team comes running over, and as he dives and, and cradles the ball, he undercuts the other kid. A complete accidental thing. The other kid goes down injured. They call a foul on my guy. So I'm complaining about the foul call. I said, hey, man, 50-50 ball. My guy got it. And I even said out loud, I said, I'm sorry that kid got hurt, but that doesn't make it a foul on my guy. <laughs> and so some woman said, call me an insensitive blankety, blankety, blank. She's not wrong. Maybe not. And I turned around. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm sorry he's hurt. I said, but that's a bad call. She went on to say it. I said, why don't you just sit down and shut the blank up? Great. So this was a woman that you were doing this Yes, I was. Yes, well. I was. That's okay. Just thought I'd let you know. All right. Move you. on. Move on. Skinny. This is a big-time controversy that we definitely need your opinion on. Two pro dart players have accused each other of farting on stage during a match in England this week, casting a cloud of controversy. Get it? A cloud of controversy? Over the, Get you're that. welcome. Over the heralded tournament. Quote, it'll take me two nights to lose this smell from my nose, Dutch player Wesley Harms fumed after getting blown away 10-2 to by Scotland's this, Gary this Anderson some, at the Grand Slam of darts in Wolverhampton. This is some good writing, by Excellent the way. Excellent writing. by. This is The Express in UK yeah, uh, who wrote they, this. They Gotta give them some credit. Yeah, they, they write some great Love stuff. Love The Express. Quote, if this is this is coming from the uh, this is Gary Anderson who yes. won. This is the other guy. He says, "quote If the boy thinks I farted, he's one thousand and ten percent wrong." I love that. He's the number four dart player in the world, by the way. Well, he's I now knew, in the quarterfinals. He goes on to say, "I swear on my children's lives that it was not my fault. I had a bad stomach once on stage before and admitted it, so I'm not going to lie about farting on stage." He continued. Usually, if I fart on stage. I S myself. I've told you that before. No, he's very open about it. Are you surprised, Skinny, that we don't have more fart controversies in mainstream American sports? Well, darts is not a mainstream American sport, but I guess that's why get, I'm that's why I'm saying like, how has this not happened in one of our mainstream like, American like, sports? Cor- like, like a guy on the like we we're talking about golf before, final putt for the Masters. Another guy just 
just belts one out. With all the silly things we have happened yes. and controversies Spitting. we have and things that come up on Twitter and everything else. We've never had this. How has no one ever complained about an opponent farting before? Well, here's like the th- during free throws, during putting? Is there like a time limit where you have to throw the dart or if a dude passes gas, can't you just like walk away for a minute and let the smell dissipate and then get back into the toss? Skinny, from the from the way it's... Now, I don't know if you saw the interview. Just spoke to Wesley. And besides that, he said you were a class player and you let him alive in the first session. He said that it was smelly on the stage. I thought he had shit. Sorry? I thought Wesley had farted on stage. Did he? No. Well, I think he thinks you did it. You can put your finger up the arse, there'll be no smell there. I thought he had shit and I went, that's dirty. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was a stink. I thought it was him. And he started playing better. I went, must have needed to get some wind out. Yeah. And he thought it was you. Oh no, hands up, swear on my kid's life. So help me God, nothing crossed. But it was smelly anyway. It was smelly. Usually, if I fart on stage, I shit myself. And you know that because I've told you in a documentary. Ain't scared to. If, if I'd farted, it smelled like that. I'd put my hands up and go, oh, sorry, I need to get. So off. who was it then? Well, don't tell me. You've got enough three boys up there. So <laughs> no, it definitely came. From, it was table side. And it was. It was eggs, rotten eggs. <laughs> Not from you. Not for me. No. No. Okay, thank you. And every time we walked past, it was a waft of rotten eggs. So that's why I was thinking it was some. Thank you. You're welcome. It was was a serious issue. And it was apparently a cloud that just lingered there. And it smelled like rotten eggs every time they went up, apparently. It just did not go away. They thought they were not farting, but pooping their pants. Do they have some... I mean, is is this like a strategy? Is this a thing? In darts? Well, I don't... I mean, football I players... Guess you I guess you can't defend in darts, right? No, this, <laughs> this is defense. This is defense at its best. Yeah, it's a, a, a cloud attack. I, I, I got to tell you, man, I was on a flight back from Baltimore on Monday morning. Um, it was an 8 o'clock flight, so, you know, everybody's just dragging. They get on, lean. So I'm leaning against my window, and about midway through the flight, I literally had to say... I went, Oh! <laughs> who was that?! <laughs> It was so. And there was a guy next to me. He did this. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, man!" It was almost nauseating, and it lingered for a while. It was, and in a plane, man, you can't get away from it. No, you cannot. Is farting on the plane proper protocol? Of course not. Are you kidding? But a lot of gas built up on that airplane. I, I a lot of pressure. You, I tell you what. There's there's a a little bit of a good feeling for letting out an SPD on a plane. No, like question. if you know you've got a good yeah, SPD buddy. coming, yep. and you know it's not going to be make noise, you can almost breathe easier too. At yeah, that point. you just kind of exhale. Problem is, and let it slide is yeah, out. yeah, that's the problem. If you just don't you, you you don't know what kind of sound might come. But out. But there's a little bit of satisfaction knowing that you're the one who yeah who crop dusted everybody yeah, in that plane. Looking, and that's why you just you're just waiting for someone to gag. Yeah, you just get the magazine out. And you're just yeah. casually perusing through it and all of those things. But man, I'm telling you, it almost made me gag. So I can imagine, man, throwing darts. It's it's quite disconcerting well it could take you all, knock you off your focus for sure i do want to point out like, like the smell in my nostrils will be there for days i do want to point out two things one the journalism behind this oh, the fabulous. guys afterwards getting down to the bottom of this i mean i don't know Literally if you remember this yeah a, a year ago we had john london farting during a live drive from one yes, of the indeed. other news stations yes we did no one wanted to step up and ask him the tough questions after that <laughs> happened this in england when they're playing darts they're not messing around, man. They're getting down to the bottom of it. We want answers, sir. Did you fart or did, or did you, you not? not? Yeah. See, I like, I like though, Gary Anderson, he started off saying, oh, no, it wasn't me. You could stick your finger up my arse right now and you won't smell a thing. 
But then, see, that's a great line right there. A, at that point, in my in my line. opinion, he's innocent at that point, right? Uh, yeah. But then when he goes on to do the whole, if I farted, I would have claimed it thing. Yeah. That's the oldest trick in the book. That's what everyone says after they fart. No, yeah, if it was but, mine, but, I would but, claim it. You know, what, I'm proud of my fart. But would anybody who Cliche farted move. on stage like that, would they would they swear on their children's lives that they didn't? I, I don't like that move either. That's going, you're being too aggressive. You had us. You had us after that first line. That first line was so clean. You stick your finger up my arse right now, and I promise you won't smell a thing. That's all we needed. We believed you then. You go on, you're reaching. You're trying too you, hard. I don't believe you anymore. Can you anymore. imagine the crowd in a darts match chanting, defense, defense, and then a guy just going, pass that gas, pass that ass. <laughs> what, a, what a sport. All right, wrap us up, Rick. And skinny, we got to go off topic as if that wasn't enough that was close. already. That was close. Police officers in North Yorkshire have Why apologized. Why is all this this happen in England? <laughs> it's just it's just the way it goes, skinny. They're wild overseas. Police officers in North Yorkshire have apologized after issuing a description of a flasher that went into a little too much detail. The original statement said the flasher has very little chest or pubic hair, no obvious tattoos or scars, and he has what was described as a small penis with testicles that hang noticeably low. Apologizing a day later, the police force had to come back and say, we posted an appeal on Facebook to help identify a suspect in the York area who performed a sexual act in public. The appeal included a description of the naked man, which we accept went into too much detail. This has upset a number of people who read the appeal, and we unreservedly apologize for any offense caused. Skinny... Do you think the police officers should have had to issue an apology for being too descriptive about this man's anatomy? I mean, if he had a small penis with testicles that hung noticeably low, that's what he had. That's what it, it, It's a fact. Now, maybe it's subjective. It could be subjective. It could be a police officer that maybe he's challenging that department himself, and he just wants to say this guy doesn't have it going on there. Yeah. That's possible. Maybe this guy is absolutely swanging, and the police chief is like, I just want everyone to think I'm well endowed, exactly. so I'm going to say that's, exactly. that's mediocre. Although it was, reminds me of the scene from the movie Porky's where they tried to do that. Can you describe the tallywhacker? <laughs> See, I, they, in England, they could call it. They should have called it a tallywhacker. I, I will say this. I am all for public humiliation yes. as a way of cracking down on criminals. This is this is a great tactic. Yep, yep. If you know you start whipping out in public and and doing your thing, you're going to be made fun of for what it looks like. My guess is you're going to stop doing that a lot quicker than if you know, well, I'm going to jail for a night or two and then Correct. get back out. Correct. Public shaming is a good thing. I'm I'm all for it. I Keep just, posting these guys on Facebook. I just like to see if somebody somehow spots the guy the next time he flashes and is able to say, "I saw him. They were hanging low. That was the, that was the guy." The problem is if if you do this the other way, if you start getting females in there yes. and you start saying they have a fat anatomy with loose hanging anatomy, you're going to have problems. Yes, you, you are. can't be doing that in 2018. No question. Rick, enjoyed it for another week. We'll be back again next Wednesday for another Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. For my man Rick Borey, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on another edition of the Skinny Podcast.